Hello, everybody. We are here back for episode five of Beyond the Whistle. And this doesn't seem pretty normal. We're here on this Google Meet platform. We're not in studio because of the coronavirus, sadly, but we always want to bring content out to you guys. And we're doing it here today. Not much sports to talk about because, frankly, they're all canceled. But we're going to figure out a way to fill about 40 to 50 minutes of your time. We're going to start off with the NFL world, the only league that hasn't been canceled Yet, of course, uh, you know, the draft is starting, but we're going to start with the free agency. Biggest move of the pretty much the year. Tom Brady went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I never thought of it. I thought he would end his career as a Pat, you know, been a Patriot through and through, legend of the game, and signs a two-year, $50 million guaranteed deal with Tampa Bay. Austin, what do we think? This is a selfish move from Tom Brady. Obviously, the GOAT, really no one's going to debate that. But this guy, I think, wants to show everyone that he doesn't have to win with a mastermind coach such as Bill Belichick. It's, I think it's going to be a move he's going to regret. Two years, $50 million, certainly gets paid, though. It's a tough division. The NFC South is a real three-team race, whereas the Pats and the AFCs could just coast through coast through to a division division title every year. It feels like there was absolutely no competition. So I really think he's going to regret this. The Saints, obviously, you get Drew Brees, another great quarterback who just signed. And then the Falcons made some great moves as well. So I think there's a lot of competition here. He certainly has the offensive weapons Brady does now with the Bucks, but it's gonna it's a movie he's gonna regret. It's gonna be tough getting into the playoffs. Ian, well, I know Cortland, you're a Pats fan, so I I know this yeah. is a big thing for you. But look, I don't think it's selfish. You go back a few years ago, and Cortland, I think you're gonna talk about it a little bit. They traded Jimmy G, but there was a report that first they wanted to trade Tom Brady because Bill Belichick he'll get rid of you two years early instead of two years late. And when Tom Brady, as Austin mentioned, the goat was hearing his name in trade rumors, he he lost respect for that team. And obviously, ever since, that relationship has not been the same. And Brady has planned for this moment to leave New England. He made it so that his contract, he couldn't get tagged, and he could get out, and now he's out. And he does have the weapons. Chris Godwin is great. He had 1,300 yards last year. Mike Evans is great. He's 6'5", and he can burn guys down the field. I'm sorry, Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola last year, those aren't the same players. So, you know, Bruce Arians, you know, the famous risk it, no biscuit offense. I think Brady's going to have a lot of fun. Even if he doesn't win a ring, it's not going to be, you know, the war zone that it is New England. And uh, I think he has a chance in the NFC South. If Drew Brees declined a little bit this year, I think he has a chance. You know, Matt Ryan's been stagnant for a few years. Teddy Bridgewater is nice, but Carolina is rebuilding. And the NFC is a lot easier to get through, in my mind, than Pat Mahomes in the AFC. Yeah, like he's very tough league, man. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Ian, there was those trade rumors going along uh, that Belichick didn't want Garoppolo, which I don't blame him. He wanted a future. Jimmy G will be great in this league for maybe eight, 10, maybe even he'll have a career like Tom Brady where he goes uh, like 15, 20 years. But let's face it, Brady sucked after week four last year. You heard it talking all the NFL shows. He had the highest interception total and the lowest touchdown numbers he had since 2013. He's old. He's over 40 years old. He was an elite quarterback. He was the greatest all time. I think it's good he got out. As a fan, I'm a little disappointed he didn't finish his career in New England, but it was time for him to leave, in my opinion. You know, it's interesting, this move. I don't really think it's more of an on-the-field move for Brady. I feel like his, not his playing career is done, his competitive playing career is really done. He's going to give it his all for sure. And he has the weapons. The Bucs, they're an up-and-coming team. They played well last year, even though it's the QB Winston. You know, he threw 30 touchdowns, 30 picks, you know, 50-50. But I think it's more of like a marketable move because I saw this tweet out and Bill Gates and Derek Jeter met with Tom Brady over the weekend before he signed his deal about how Tampa Bay is an up-and-coming city. And I think it's more of a marketing move. His TB12 company, it's more of a off-the-field move rather than on-the-field. And, yes, the NFC is very tough. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, we talked about, Matt Ryan, all these teams coming up, Jimmy G with the 49ers. I really think it's not about winning for Tom. It's more about the money off the field. Well, remember that last pass he threw in New England, Dylan, was a pick six to Logan Ryan, and everyone's like, he's not going to end it on that. He's got to come back and redeem himself. Tom Brady is always going to consider himself an underdog, the number 199 overall pick. That's what he thinks he is, even though he's not at this stage in his career. I think he does want to win a ring in Tampa, but that's a good point you make that maybe it's more than just going to Tampa because, you know, it's a marketable move. And going back to Cortland, you know, the first three weeks of the season before the receiving core fell apart, you know, when he 
had actual weapons like Edelman and Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown for one game. Those were his three best weeks of the season. And after that, his receiving core was the worst it's been in the Brady era. And he still was extremely accurate and on target. It's just his guys weren't making those catches because they aren't as talented as the league average. So, you know, I think he will have a much better year in Tampa Bay this year. And his numbers this year weren't horrible. They just were significantly lower for our standards for Tom. Well, yeah, but also two years, 50 million is also good. I want to point that it's 50 million guaranteed, which helps. It definitely helps. Not that Tom Brady and his wife are strapped for cash right now, but uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Tom Brady, he had the uh, his, the lowest yards per attempt, uh, yards uh, below the sticks. Uh, all those stats, the next-gen stats the NFL has introduced, they were all the lowest in his career. And it, his arm strength is going, I think. And as you can see later and later in the weeks, he wasn't moving around the pocket more fluidly and making those sharp, accurate throws, even when he had Edelman back and all the other weapons. So, I mean, with Tampa, with Tampa signing him, and they have a lot of weapons, like we said, but Tom Brady, if he really, really wanted a ring with another team, he would have went to the Chargers. I mean, yeah, the Chargers offered him a deal, and they have a way better team than Tampa does. Austin, you want to add on that? Well, it's, it's certainly, obviously, these divisions are tough. Obviously, AFC West, you have Mahomes, and, you know, the Raiders are obviously not as good, and the Broncos just signed Gordon, so... I think definitely L.A. was the place for him, the perfect Hollywood ending, kind of like LeBron, you know, two goats going out in L.A. And uh, certainly, obviously, no Melvin Gordon had been perfect for him. Obviously, Patriots have really never had a great um, running game, so it would be kind of the same for the Chargers. So I think the Chargers are a rebuilding team as well. I think Brady could have just had, like, one or two more years just to really just go out and kind of see how it goes. And I think that would have been – a little bit more of like an off the field thing, obviously ending your career in LA is really something special for with what he's done. But I mean, it's still, he's going still to a good team. Um, obviously the Chargers have more weapons than the Buccaneers, but really it's Brady. He can make something out of nothing. So we'll have to see. One well, interesting move. On. move. We move to the next move. Courtney? I got one more thing. Okay. One interesting move to watch is who the Patriots are going to pick up next. There's been speculations, Andy Dalton, uh, maybe they'll get someone new in the draft. That is something that is to watch because they didn't really know Brady was moving until you know a few days ago when the rest of us found out, maybe a little bit before. But they have to figure out what they're doing for next year, and it'll be interesting to see who they pick up after Tom Brady. And now we finally get to see Belichick without Brady in a new non-Brady world for the Pats fans, a world that they haven't seen since, what, 2001? So let's move on to the next move. DeAndre Hopkins, a star wide receiver. He goes over to the Arizona Cardinals. They call it a trade, but it was more like a, it was like a robbery, guys. I mean, the Texans, they only got a second and a fourth round pick. And David Johnson went over an older, more veteran running back who has knee issues. But DeAndre Hopkins, top three receiver, some have called him the best receiver in the league, goes over to Arizona to join Kyler Murray and Larry Fitzgerald. Ian, what do we think? Well, it, it's grand, it's robbery, to say the least. You know, you don't get a first-round pick for your star player, then that's a horrible trade. We just saw the Forrest Buckner, not a receiver, get traded. First-round pick. Odell last year, first-round pick. Stephon Diggs, first-round pick. Brandon Cooks, who is not even an elite receiver, you know, he's been banged up by injuries as of late, has garnered two first-round picks in two separate trades. And you can't even get that. You can't get the eighth pick for DeAndre Hopkins, who has the best hands in the league. Maybe not the best overall guy, but that's insane. And the really the only reason Houston has for not um, getting him back was he wanted a contract extension. Of course he wants a contract extension. It's DeAndre Hopkins. He wasn't making top-tier money. He wants 18 to $20 million. You give him that money. He's had over 100 catches the last two years. He is the offense. Randall Cobb is not nowhere is nowhere close to that. And I'm a big Will Fuller fan. He's graded out very well the last two years, but he can't stay on the field. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm getting out of Houston. Bill O'Brien equals not Bill Belichick. He should not be the GM there, obviously. And David Johnson, great player. I'm a fan of his. But he's a 28-year-old running back who has not been good the last two years. So, you know, Thank, thank the Lord Kyler Murray is praying right now. You know, maybe they even get C.D. Lamb. Hell, that would be awesome. But uh, they don't need him anymore because they just got a number one receiver for a second-round pick pretty much. Corlin? I I don't know why O'Brien has not been fired yet. This is – I don't know how or why he would make this trade. Only reason is 
Houston doesn't really have a running game outside of Deshaun Watson. So, you know, they wanted to get a high level back to kind of balance the offense. But David, I haven't heard of him in two years. He had that one good season two or three years ago. And then it's almost like he went and played for the XFL because I didn't hear of him. You're right. And Austin, what are your thoughts on this robbery by the uh, Cardinals? This is obviously a questionable move. The AFC South has really been up and down. We've seen some good teams, and we've kind of it's been all close. And now with suddenly the Colts getting Phillip Rivers and other things here and there, obviously Tannehill with the Titans. This is going to be a tough division. I don't see Houston competing at all. And suddenly this NFC West, which I absolutely love, obviously you have the Seahawks and the 49ers, that great battle they had last year. Now the Cardinals, a team that Kyler Murray played really well last year, very underrated. People obviously didn't give him a lot of hope going into the draft, really proved the haters wrong. And now this Cardinals team is going to be competitive. I don't know if they can compete with the Seahawks and 49ers, but they're going to make it interesting. And I think, obviously, if you're a Cardinals fan, you are really happy right now. And obviously, you suddenly have a team that is going to be close to the playoffs. And obviously, as Kyler Murray progresses, this team should as well. And you get rid of a running back and Johnson will be mentioned just we haven't heard his name he's obviously had injury problems as well so this team is going to be really really good Kyler Murray is going to progress I see this team making the playoffs in the next two three years yeah I mean Arizona they've grown very much in the past few uh, years that is Kyler Murray now coming in and the defensive part we don't really talk about the Cardinals defense in this trade Todd Bowles the defensive coordinator over there terrible head coach with the Jets (laughs) trust me I watched him every every game making bad decisions Thankfully, he's only making decisions on one side of the ball now in Arizona, and that's his game. He works defensively. He's not much of an offensive-minded guy like Adam Gase says he is. We don't know about that. But Todd Bowles says he's defense, and his defense has played pretty well. If you look into the metrics, the Cardinals' defense was top 10 in the league last year. And also – Go ahead, Ian. Sorry, Colin. I, I, I know it's not about DeAndre Hopkins, but don't forget about the Rams in the NFC West. You know, it's a yeah, talented team. That other team. It, they've been strapped for cash. You know, yeah, Jared good. Goff, when he's got protection, is very good, and the O-line was not that good last year. Who knows where they go at running back, but there's a lot of starting caliber backs in the draft this year, so they can replace Todd Gurley. Their receiving core is awesome. Gerald Everett had a great end of the season last year. And you got Jalen Ramsey on defense, who, you know, a full offseason of Jalen Ramsey is going to be very nice for this team. You know, they missed a couple pieces, but when you got Sean McVay in the saddle, you can easily win another 10 games and get back in playoff contention. So the NFC West is probably going to be the most competitive division. division this year. Yep, every team yeah. Could probably get over 500 this year. Definitely. Obviously, the Rams were in the Super Bowl a year ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what happened yeah. to them in 2019? They just fell off. But, yeah, this NFC West is going to be so competitive. Such It's going to be so fun to watch. Uh, Austin, you got up a great point. Kyler Murray had 3,700 yards with uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who is, of course, Hall of Fame caliber receiver. Also, J.J. Uh, Nelson in there. But just add DeAndre Hopkins to that. I mean, he had only 20 touchdowns to 12 interceptions last year. I feel like he's going to push that envelope on touchdowns and kind of drop the uh, interceptions because Hopkins just creates space and can just suck up any ball near him. Exactly. For sure, guys. Now let's move on to the next trade. Darius Slay, the cornerback from Detroit, heads over to Philadelphia, a team that has been calling for a cornerback. It seems like every one of their their, – the secondary, they get hurt. Malcolm Jenkins is now gone. Jalen Mills is still there, but he's always on the sideline. And now they finally get Slay, a number one cornerback from Detroit, and a third and fifth round pick go over back to the Lions. And then also they make Slay the highest paid corner in football too, which he might not be the best guy or not even top five, but as you mentioned, Dylan, this team has not had a premier corner in probably half a decade. You got to overpay and you get a talented guy in Darius Slay. And I think the biggest part of this trade wasn't for the Eagles, but the Lions. You know, everyone over the last two years has been talking about the Lions a little bit, saying, oh, well, they're not winning games, but they're building this culture with Matt Patricia. And Darius Slay called up to get up yesterday um, and talking to Stephen A. and Max Kellerman, and he said that in his first offseason with that team in 2018, his coach called him out in front of the entire locker room, in, in front of the entire team, and it was like a little video of him getting burnt. And then at the end of it, Patricia chucked in an Instagram post from Slay and made fun of him and said uh, an inappropriate comment about Slay in his post in front of the entire team. That's not building a culture in my mind. You know, calling out your best player, 
sometimes it works and it proves, you know, you got to compete for your job no matter how good you are. But nine wins over two years in Detroit, mm, I don't know if you're building much of a culture there. So, you know, Darius Slay is happy to be out of there. You know, he probably – he didn't con- – he contained his excitement well on that interview. But he goes to a winning team with a fun coach in Doug Peterson. Good for Darius Slay. And I don't know what Matt Patricia is doing over there in Detroit because it seems like he is trying to be the next Bill Belichick. And it's not working for him. It's not working for O'Brien. Yeah. Um, Corlin? Uh, Matt Patricia, as Ian said, came over from New England. Uh, I think what he did is he was trying to be his own Bill, Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick can call someone out. If you get called up by Bill Belichick, take that as a compliment to work harder and you're doing something good. But who watches the Lions anymore? The only reason people watched the Lions in the last few years was Calvin Johnson, just to see Megatron just go up and absolutely go over and just snag balls out of the air. But mm-hmm. I think what the Lions need some small trades for some young, popular players, much like the Browns did. Uh, two years ago, it's like, oh, the Browns are 0-16. Now they have Odell Beckham. They have Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield. I feel like the Lions need to take that model of signing those young players that people want to see and want to watch. And now we talk about the Browns almost making the playoffs last year, how everyone thought they were going to be so good and all this. Granted, they did have some problems, but it got people talking about them, which is, I think is what the Lions need to do. And Austin, what's your overall thoughts on this trade? This is big for the Eagles. Obviously, this Eagles team last year was so banged up. It felt like everyone could not stay on the field. And they somehow still won a division, The obviously the most competitive division, of, uh, yeah. a.k.a. the worst division in football, the NFC East. Proud to say that as a Giants fan. So certainly this team, I think, has that edge over the Cowboys. You could certainly have some turmoil in their organization as well. And so I think this makes the Eagles team not one that can get back to the Super Bowl. We talk about teams that went to the Super Bowl two years ago. This team obviously won it all and beat the Patriots. So I think certainly this makes this team a, a bit better and I think obviously kind of pushes them over the top and they can stay healthy over the Cowboys. And if you're the Lions, this NFC North is an interesting division. We've seen a lot of turmoil there too. The Packers, a team you could say Aaron Rodgers is on the decline. You could say the same potentially about the Vikings as well after their Minneapolis miracle a couple of years ago. So I think they just have to regroup. I feel like this team really doesn't know whether they should kind of hit the ground running or try and rebuild. And I think obviously making Matthew Stafford the highest paid quarterback a couple of years ago, that hasn't really paid off. Cortland hit the nail right on the head. Start from ground zero and bring it up. This team can get there. I think it's a shame though. Matt Stafford, and sorry, Dylan, I'll keep it brief. Matt Stafford is one of the most talented arms in the league. Yeah, and he oh, had some yeah. awesome years that have just – no one knows how good he's been because, as Cortland mentioned, nobody is watching the Lions. And that's because this team for years was just complacency and, you know, they will settle for 500, barely make the playoffs here and there. They have wasted Matt Staff- Stafford's career. And I hate when people say, let's start it new. And they probably should start it new. But Matt Stafford is 31, 32 years old, and it's not his fault that he hasn't won a playoff game. You know, we're talking about Deshaun Watson. I hope he doesn't become the new Matthew Stafford and just have a horrible team for 10 years and run around for his life and maybe blow out. Bill O'Brien's helping that. He's helping that. It's a shame, you know. That's why I want Watson to get out of there. And If I'm a quarterback needy team, like if I'm New England and, you know, there's some GM connections in uh, Detroit's front office with – in New England, former uh, GM or assistant GM now in New England. I would try to get Matt Stafford if you don't like Jared Stidham. That's a story for another day. Dylan, what do you want to add to wrap it up? I wanted to bring back to uh, the Matt Patricia point with how he called out Slay. I mean, this guy, he came over from the past. I believe he was a defensive coordinator. And then he went over to Detroit as the head coach. This guy's his first head coaching gig. He's in Detroit, a team that has really no expectations. The owners are terrible. Every one of the fans are making signs saying, sell the team, sell the team. And this guy comes in, what is it, 2018, his first year. Mm-hmm. He comes in and calls out the best quarterback or best defensive player on that team. And he's trying to create a culture or something. That's just a terrible move. He should be very reserved as a first-year coach and sort of set a standard. But, I mean, he calls out his team. It's just, just a bad look at all for Detroit. They got a, I feel bad for Stafford as well had some great years we always see how many points he puts up every game but his defense can't hold an offense for their life I mean it sucks for Detroit and now they just I believe they have to rebuild like Austin said it, it's just a bad situation mm-hmm. let's head over to Todd Gurley and that news I mean he was released by the LA Rams after having some injury issues the past few years you know Super Bowl there was some injury issues he was on his, I believe they showed the shot of him 
on that bike about 20 times during that game when he was cycling down. And now he gets released by the Rams. They have to eat $20 million. And now he signs a one-year and $6 million deal with the Falcons. Yeah, I think this is a bad move by the Rams. I mean, uh, I don't... I think he didn't. The Rams did not use Gurley properly. Uh, last year, he only had thousand yards and twelve touchdowns. Year before that, he had eighteen hundred plus yards with twenty plus touchdowns in both season. Uh, they just weren't giving him the ball, and it kind of showed. They were great the year before, and then they kind of just declined, and no one really heard of the Rams. They weren't in the playoff picture. They weren't really talked about all year because. They just weren't good as they were the year before. So I'm glad for him that he left. He's gone back home. He's gone back to Georgia, which I think it will be a very good move. Well, I think yeah. the thing is here is we got to remember Todd Gurley has arthritis in his knee for a guy who's only 25. And that shows you what happens when you play running back in the NFL and you're a workhorse. He already came into the league with an ACL tear. And sometimes when you tear a ligament, you come back and you're fine the next year. But sometimes the knee starts to wear down over time and now is degenerative, which means that's why they didn't give him the ball. It means that his knee continues to wear down the more and more you give it to him. And that's why towards the end of last season, even when they were fighting for a playoff spot, the Rams, they didn't give him the ball a lot because they knew he had knee problems. And they tried to hide it the best they could. But in the end, we don't know how bad that knee is. I mean, I, I was looking at some of the stats you put on that doc, Cortland. He had 40 touchdowns over two years. That puts a lot of strain on your body. You know, True. It, but I mean, again, of, if they put that much work on him, they have to know there's repercussions after having a torn ACL. That's very true. I mean, they got, they've reaped the benefits. They made the playoffs two years in a row, and they made a Super Bowl run. But by the time they got to the Super Bowl, it was C.J. Anderson getting the ball, not Todd Gurley, because he was already worn down. And this year, you saw what he looked like over the four four. Full course of a season. So let's see. I the, It's a smart move from the Falcons. They already got a great receiving core. Takes the pressure off Gurley again. Doesn't need to be the guy. If they use him right and they preserve him a little bit, this could be a splash move for the Falcons in a tough NFC South. Boston. Yeah, this certainly makes the NFC South really a three-team race as well, obviously. You see the Buccaneers get Brady, the Falcons say, you know, we're just as competitive as well. Getting Gurley, a guy who we've seen, yes, despite the fatigue we saw, Last year, he has a guy that has the ability to score over 20 touchdowns. Let's not forget, this Falcons team was the best second-half team in all the NFL last year. Won their last four games, won six of the last eight. After a terrible start, this team finally started to turn it around. And one of the earlier Beyond the Whistles this year, we said, all oh, the Falcons never figured it out ever since the Super Bowl blunder. This team mm-hmm. is going to figure it out. And I'm telling you, with only a couple years of Brady left and a couple years of Breeze left, and yes, Matt Ryan, one could say he's on the decline, which probably I agree with. But this team can st- maybe turn it around and maybe find themselves back on top of the NFC South. This is a great move. And for the Rams, obviously, there's still a great defensive-minded team. Obviously, that Super Bowl, that really low-scoring game we saw, their offense couldn't figure it out against the Patriots. Cortland, I bet you were enjoying that yeah, game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> obviously, low-scoring one. But this Rams team... I think they had a down year as well last year. They had that one nice win against the Seahawks, but really that was it. This team can also turn it around. I think if you get Jared Goff in the right spot, he obviously has some really good receivers in obviously Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and Robert and Robert Woods. This team can maybe figure it out, obviously get rid of the running back there. But, you know, I think it's a bigger win for the Falcons than it is for the Rams, despite the question mark. Ian, as you mentioned, with the leg of Todd Gurley. You know, I really like this move for the Falcons. You know, one year, $6 million, that's really nothing to an NFL team. It's a great risk to take. He gets it. Now that you have an MVP-like running back who's had 40 touchdowns over the past two years, you'll see how his knee works. But, you know, when I saw this news that he signed with the Falcons, he had to pass a physical at least. So they had to see at least how good he was with that knee. He had a somewhat of an off two off years really and now he had a little bit of rest so he got rested through last year now he's coming fresh full off season we'll see how this virus affects whatever mm-hmm. but i mean i think a fresh Todd Gurley, six million dollars is a great risk to take devonta freeman i believe is out of atl so now they bring in Gurley, and now he's ready to go with julio jones at receiving so let's move on to a uh, question that really ian really liked to bring up an under the radar move that all of you guys had from free agency let's start off with austin I will go here. The Chargers, uh, Chargers rather, picking up Chris Harris Jr. 
a great move for this Chargers team. We mentioned it, how, how Brady could have gone to this Chargers team. Obviously coming over from the Broncos, a great cornerback who really is going to settle it down. Obviously got Derwin James over there. The Chargers defensive core could really help out. Obviously no Phillip Rivers anymore. This offense is really going to see a decline. I like this Chargers team, obviously. A couple of years ago, I believe it was two years ago, they were right with the Chiefs and and the MVP and Patrick Mahomes. So obviously just one small move here could really boost up this defense. Obviously it's tough with the the Chiefs in your division, and really it's kind of that still that one-team division. But they can get closer, maybe sneak into a wild card spot. I love this move by the Chargers. You don't get Brady, but you get a good defensive guy. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, I was a big fan of under the radar moves. I would say the Saints. You know, this Saints team has been bitten year in and year out, and it's a shame that they haven't made another Super Bowl appearance with Drew Brees. It's not Brees' fault. It's just, you know, you have the Kyle Rudolph catch, push-off, no-push-off thing last year, Minneapolis, Miracle the year before. They had just been bitten. And, you know, and then there's obviously the infamous uh, Nikel Roby Coleman, you know, knocking out a receiver in midair and not, and not being called. So, you know, they've been robbed the last three years. But what did they bring in this year? They brought in two veterans who are going to make those plays late in games when they need them the most. Malcolm Jenkins is a guy who Sean Payton, who unfortunately got the coronavirus, but Sean Payton said we should have never let him leave. And they let him leave. He went to the Eagles. He dominated for five years. He had a little bit of a decline last year, but he was still an awesome veteran safety. And then last night, you get Emmanuel Sanders on a two-year deal. Sanders played 17 regular season games last year because he got traded. He can still hold up. He put up over 800 yards, and who knows? Jimmy Garoppolo makes that catch. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo makes that throw late in the Super Bowl to a wide-open Emmanuel Sanders on a post route. 49ers could be Super Bowl champions right now. He's still got the juice. Michael Thomas puts a little bit of pressure off of him. They still got Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara. It it makes Drew Brees' life easier at 40-plus years old. So I love what the Saints did. And quickly on the Chargers, Chargers have one of the most complete rosters in football. Question is, is they stick with Terod Taylor, who's a 500 quarterback, but not that accurate, or do you draft a guy? It's going to be very interesting to see how that pans out, not getting Brady. For sure. And Corlin, what was your under-the-radar move in the NFL free agency? I like uh, the team that Phillip Rivers, when he left the Chargers, went to. I like the Colts. Phillip Rivers, yes, it kind of was – it was a little under the radar. It kind of got swamped with the uh, other bigger trades, but – it's a young team. I mean, Ebron just left. He went over to the Steelers, I believe. Um, but you still have T.Y. Hillen, one of the best receivers in the league year after year. Uh, they The Colts have kind of been in limbo after the uh, Andrew Luck have left. They caught, tried Brissett in there. But their division, if we look at it, Tennessee is the only really – tough con- uh, competitor in there. The mm-hmm. Tennessee went deep in the playoffs. Houston, we just talked about them earlier. They're probably out bye of the picture. Jacksonville. Bye-bye. They <laughs> could be – they could have a five-win season. They could go 12 wins. You don't really know about them, but I don't think this year they're going to be good. So I think the Colts have a great shot with a veteran, Phillip Rivers, to try to sneak in, maybe get the wild card under Tennessee, or Tennessee gets it off – Year, I will lead this team to hopefully a playoff break. And the quote, hey, you Pat know, one Mac- on, oh, you go, go ahead, Ian. Oh, well, I know Cortland and I, we talk about Pat McAfee. Oh, lot. yeah. Quote Pat McAfee, who said 20 times over the last two days, it looks like Philip Rivers was throwing a med ball last year. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You know, he wanted to get out of the Chargers organization. You know, this is a guy who played through an ACL tear in the playoffs years ago. And what do they do? They move the team. He drives to work like three hours down the state every day. You know, he, he was sick of the Chargers. And they really hadn't made enough moves to support him, even though they had a great team. They just made blunders. So, you know, happy he goes to a team who values him, and he might actually have a chance to go back to the playoffs this year. And, you know, one under-the-radar move, we talked about Todd Gurley and the Falcons. I like Dante Fowler Jr. going to the Falcons. You know, mm-hmm. he's a great edge pass rusher. He used to be on the Rams. He played for a few other teams, got traded. And he used to be on the Jaguars as well. He's a really good rusher on passing downs. He's going to get to the quarterback for Atlanta, which their defense has been up and down through the past few years. They had a great defense in that Super Bowl run year. But ever since, it seems like every game's a shootout. Matt Ryan putting up 38 and the defense letting 42 by them. But, you know, I really like this move. He's going to get to the quarterback. He's going to force uh, other opposing quarterbacks to make bad throws, throw interceptions or something like that and fumble. But, you know, I really like the move. And another move, you talked about the Titans. Uh, contract uh, contract went to Ryan Tannehill. He made, he's making $29 million a year for four years. And guys, I'm going to go on a little bit of rant about this. Ryan Tannehill 
threw about seven passes per game in that playoff run that they had. Can we all agree that Derrick Henry ran that playoff run for the Titans? Yes. It's You're here. You're here. Okay. So why is Ryan Tannehill? Why is Ryan Tannehill making $29 million a year? This is unheard of in the league. He's making more than Tom Brady used to make when he was on top of his game. And now Ryan Tannehill used to be a backup with the Dolphins, used to play behind Jay Cutler. He was behind Jay Cutler for a year with the Dolphins. And now he's on the Titans making $29 million, a big commitment for four years. What he played? Seven regular season games and two, three playoff games last year on a team that was dominated by Derrick Henry. He got the ball 35 times a game and carried him to that AFC playoff game against the Chiefs. And what happened when Derrick Henry was shut down in that game? Did Ryan Tannehill show up? Nope. No, he did not. So can a quarterback who, when the running back isn't dominating the game, does he deserve $29 million a year? That was just, it blew my brain that the Titans did that. And you know firsthand because you're a Jets fan, you know, Tannehill is just not that great in his run in Miami. And obviously the Titans have more weapons, but it just shows you how the NFL is. Once you find the quarterback, no matter how good he is, if he's good He's not the quarterback. He's not the answer. I know he's not, not, but he put up very efficient numbers. Not saying he should have been paid $29 million a year. but Well, yeah, because the defense is paying attention to Derrick Henry. Yeah, like, it's, it's kind of hard to miss Derrick Henry. What and is he, like 6'6", 250? Remember, when it, pretty close. One of the first moves of free agency was Derrick Henry getting the franchise tag, not a multi-year extension. He only got the franchise tag, and that's because, unfortunately, he doesn't catch the ball. He doesn't need to, but it's a shame that the NFL doesn't value running back the way they should. If you can't catch the balls or running back, you're not going to be valued as highly. And even though Derrick Henry is the equivalent of the Titans, you know, Ryan Tannehill put up a very efficient numbers. He had one of the highest passer ratings of all time in a regular season. Yeah, because he went five for seven with 80 yards in a playoff game. He had some that's nice – not talking about a playoff-like quarterback performance. You know, the Titans haven't had a good quarterback since Steve McNair, and Mariota was not the answer. So I think this was a bit of a panic move. Okay, let's get our guy. Hey, we got our guy. Maybe we can compete in the uh, AFC South. There's only the Colts now with Phillip Rivers. So is it an overpay? Heck yes. Good for Ryan Tannehill at an ACL tear or two. Now he gets the money, but uh, he better play well next year. (laughs) Yeah, you mentioned the franchise. Ian, you mentioned the franchise tag and Derrick Henry. I think they did that because they knew people were going to pay up for that because everyone saw those games where he carried the ball, what, 30, 40 times? Carried the team. Yeah, carried literally the whole defense on his back while walking down the field. So I think the Titans thought everyone was going to throw up money, throw up big numbers for him, and they just wanted to scare him. So I don't think they threw him uh, on it just just because – I think they knew that no, Ryan Tannehill wasn't going to go anywhere, so I think that's why they threw the franchise tag on Henry. It's a small market move from a team that really – Tennessee, if you live in Tennessee, you're worried about probably music, and that's probably it because <laughs> ever since maybe the Predators a couple of years ago, Tennessee has never been good. This, these Titans fans are really blessed to see a great, a great run obviously come to an unfortunate end of that AFC championship game. It's definitely like a, a small market move. Just to get your quarterback, a guy who probably loves playing in Tennessee, even though he really probably doesn't deserve that much money. It's just a little bit of a panic move, Ian and Dylan, you're right. And we'll see how it works. AFC South, I don't think it's going to be all that great. You could see a nine-win team sneak into the playoffs. Heck, you could see a seven- or eight-win team. You could see, like, the NFC East. It could be It could be tough. I mean, the NFL free agency was crazy, guys. We saw some moves that really no one really expected, especially Brady to Tampa. and some other moves as well, but let's move to the NFL draft. Ian, it's supposed to happen late April. You have some news on that and the virus. Well, it is supposed to still happen in late April. I think it's a fantastic move from the NFL. It's going to be more of like a a dumbed-down version, no fans, so it will still be April 23rd, 25th. It's a shame for Las Vegas, though. You know, obviously the money is in Vegas. The Raiders moved to Vegas. This was going to be a marketing move, kind of put the team on the rise. Hey, look where we are. Pay attention to us. And now the draft has been pretty much shut down. It's going to be Roger Goodell on a podium reading, you know, the draft cards, and maybe the prospects will be there. So, Dylan, you don't think it might happen then? I think it will because NFL free – look, NFL free agency has never been more popular this year because that's the only thing people are talking about. We'd be talking about the NBA, NHL, MLB, and we will talk about some of those later on, but we aren't hearing those main storylines right now because there are no sports. 
So the NFL is getting a big boost in TV ratings right now, ESPN, NFL Network, thanks to the abundance of coverage. And we'll see the same in late April where there will again be no sports probably, and the NFL draft will be there to provide comfort to sports fans. And also, I mean, the CBA as well. Obviously, the CBA, we talked about that in the last Beyond the Whistle, how how that goes through, obviously, no lockouts for 10 seasons. I mean, it was very, very close vote. It was, I think, not even 100 votes, Ian. Nope, um, 60. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, obviously, it's a big move. I don't know, obviously, gives the NFL a lot. Obviously, in this time where nothing is going on, I mean, it's so boring. But, obviously, the NFL really makes a big jump, and obviously, you get big names, you know, staying, obviously, Breeze and then Brady, so – Obviously, 17-game season as well, and I add an extra playoff team. So certainly the NFL has made a big splash after a couple of years of a little controversy with uh, Sir Roger Goodell. <laughs> I, I think mean, the I draft think was interesting with the draft actually happening, you know, announcing that's going to happen. They were playing this big party-like atmosphere with Vegas with the boats springing over the players, <laughs> the podium with Goodell. I don't mind it happening. I'm just worried about the players and the, and the virus. I mean, I think they should just have it in an empty arena, no fans. Maybe even not even bring the players to the arena. Maybe just have a camera with them at home. You know, we always like to see the reactions with them and their family, what they're all celebrating. I think that's fine. And I don't mind that Goodell is going to announce in front of a podium. I just don't want that many people there. I mean, the CDC and all these states closing down on quarantine. I'm just worried about the players and what's going to happen with them. Yeah, we were joking around a few days ago, and we were like, hey, why don't we just, they just do like a Google Meet like this. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, I think the draft will still happen. I think it's going to be basically Goodell on a podium, like Ian said. No players are going to be there. Maybe a team representative each gets a room, and they have to stay in their room, and that they just have to pop their heads out and tell them who they want. Or maybe it'll just be done all over the phone. I mean, there's draft rooms in every NFL uh, team's headquarters that are already used on draft day. So I really think it's just going to be Goodell, a few other people, a TV camera, and that's just about it. And, you know, let's get to the players now. We all decided to pick a player that we really like from the draft. Let's start off with you, Austin. I will go out west with with Oregon's quarterback Justin Herbert. Obviously, we're expecting maybe three guys being drafted early in this, maybe first five or six picks for, out of quarterbacks. Obviously, two out of Alabama, and Burrow, I'm forgetting Bill Burrow. Yes, Bill yeah, Burrow, obviously championship winning quarterback. But I like Herbert a lot. Obviously, this Oregon team was could have been in the college football playoff if it wasn't for that loss to that tough. Arizona State team. He played very well, obviously, in the Rose Bowl, defeating Wisconsin. He's a big guy, 6'6". You don't see that out of a quarterback. Obviously, last year with Kyler Murray, guys, not having six feet, getting a lot of hate, and obviously proved those haters wrong, as I mentioned. He's got great size, obviously a pro-ready frame. Obviously, he's got experience and pro-passing concepts out west with this Oregon team, operates with pre-snap plan. He's ready, obviously. He has a couple weaknesses, issues finding touch, and uh, – Sometimes just interceptions, obviously, something you see a lot from the big Oregon quarterback. But I like him. I think definitely he could go to the Chargers. That's who I think he's going to go to, stay out west. Obviously, in this Chargers team that obviously is looking for a quarterback, we just mentioned, Ian, will they stick with Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor or or draft somebody? I think it's definitely the, the easy move. Obviously, stay out west. you got a, a big guy, a quarterback, and who has a lot of weapons as well. As we mentioned, Keenan Allen, obviously, top guy there. So I think it's a perfect move, and uh, I definitely expect Herbert to be a good quarterback. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, rest, rest in peace to the New York Giants drafting the Senior Bowl MVP every year for four straight years. That streak will end this year. They will not select Justin Herbert. You know, they selected Loletta, stunk out of Richmond. Davis Webb, stunk. Daniel Jones. Hopefully, Daniel Jones continues to do good for the Giants. I think so. Hopefully. Let's bank on it. You can help. If he can hold on to the ball. But the (laughs) thing is, Justin Herbert should have declared last year. He probably would have been the number one QB selected in the draft. He made the move and not a lot of guys make. It was a selfless move. He went back to Oregon. He put up pretty good numbers, won the Rose Bowl, had a couple big runs in that game, too. And then uh, then he comes out this year in a much better quarterback class where you got Burrow and you got Tua, even though he's injured, and Jordan Love kind of sneaking into that top 20 conversation with an immense talent. The thing with Herbert is, very quickly, big guy. I like kind of like Carson Wentz, Andrew Luckish. Don't know if he has that it factor, kind of stay on the pocket, like with his feet. But 
Really big arm, and as you mentioned, Austin, he's got all the tools you want. I like Isaiah Simmons a lot out of Clemson. No-brainer. The guy played like over 200 snaps at four different positions last year. You know, there's really no NFL comp for him. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can blitz a little bit. Heck, he could probably play outside corner if he wanted to. 6'4", 2'30", runs a sub 4 five forty. You just don't see guys like that. But he is good at every position he plays. He's not just like, a oh, we need him to play safety. He can do a little bit. He can excel at safety. He can excel at linebacker. Anywhere you need him, he will dominate. Uh, we talked about Derwin James earlier. He's like a bigger, faster Derwin James. If the Giants take him at four, eh, Dave Gettleman might be doing something good for once. If they don't – The guy that really... I think of that's like that, Ian, is kind of like Jamal Adams. He plays a lot of yeah. linebacker and safety. That's just the guy I thought of when you were talking I mean, about yeah, he, position. He, he is that guy, only he's so much bigger. He has the ability to guard anyone on the football field and drape them in coverage. So I think hopefully he can be as good as Adams or James with just more athletic talent, and whoever gets him is going to have a lot of fun figuring out what they want to do with him. And Corlin, who was your under-the-radar type prospect you wanted to look at? Uh, I like Justin Herbert, but since Austin had said that, I'm going to have to go with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We did talk about a lot about him as he was on the LSU Tigers team, mm -hmm. but we talked about Joe Burrow and that dominant passing offense. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had uh, 1,400 yards last year, 16 touchdowns. He had 110 yards on 16 carries in the, that championship game where they defeated Clemson. He is a stud of a back. He's only about 5'8", so a little undersized. He's about 200 pounds, but if you just see him run, it's all in the lower legs. He just pounds guys, pounds the ball, keeps the legs turning, gets every last yard. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe he ran around a 4.6 40-yard dash, I believe, in the combine. So he's not that slow. He can still pound it in. I feel like he's going to be good in the NFL. Uh, just a downhill runner. Uh, just a smaller version of Derrick Henry, dare I say. Well, the big thing about him, as we mentioned earlier, can you catch the ball as a running back? He caught 55 passes last year. So as good as he was as a runner, he's instantly going to have that value because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. which yeah, He's, that. he's also really good at blocking, too. He mm -hmm. uh, stayed there. He was either out of the backfield helping uh, another option for Joe Burrow or protecting him in the pocket. Either way, he is a ready NFL back, in my opinion. And Dylan, who is your guy you want to talk about? I wanted to go back over to the uh, defensive side and talk about Jeff Okuda out mm -hmm. of Ohio State. Six. He was the talk of the town defensively, honestly, in college football. He guarded everyone from, from Michigan wide receivers to Penn State. And eventually in the playoff, when he had to play even better competition, he was just locked down, especially in that game against Clemson, where they got kind of robbed on that fumble. If you guys remember, yeah. the guy took four yeah. steps. They were played it. He said he was a complete pass. I mean, he just played really well in that game and really the entire season. And against top-tier talent, it's not like a low-tier team or like Alabama, they're playing the Citadel, they're playing low-tier mm. teams. It's like a check game every game. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. State, they're playing top-tier teams. Michigan, they're always top 10, even though they always lose a big game. Penn State, very good team in the Big Ten. And then they play in the playoff every year as well when they reach the top four. I mean, Jeff Kuda, very good back and cornerback that is. And officially, I hope for the Cardinals fans' perspective, that he drops to eight. I don't feel that he will. But if he does, Arizona should pick him up immediately, and that defense will get even better. That would be an awesome now, that, move. That would be an awesome move, Ian. Now let's move over to another sport. We've talked enough about the NFL. Let's move over to the MLB. There was some news out of that league. Hopefully we got some news out of some sports world. Thankfully we got it out of baseball. And all, all of us chose one story. We're going to start off with Austin. What was your main takeaway from the baseball this week? Well, obviously the Houston Astros. I mean, when do we not mention these clown eaters? Oof. Obviously continuing uh, to get hit as, you know, Rob Manfred tries to defend them and people like David Ortiz, Big Poppy as a Red Sox fan is coming out and saying, oh, we should, we should, you know, we shouldn't hate on the Astros. We should come together. This is not going to, this is the story that's just going to continue, obviously, with the delayed season. It's only going to happen more. People are only going to be more excited to, you know, hit hit these Astros. And it'll be interesting to see what Manfred does and see if he really punishes the people who punish the cheaters, who really punish baseball's integrity by cheating and really um, making all these – and really cheating out all these other teams. I was, we've mentioned, obviously, plenty of them in the last episode. But 
it'll be just be interesting to see if this this late start how really affects the Astros and if they can come together as a team. This is still a very good team. I hate to say it as a Yankees fan, but this team is definitely still going to compete, and it'll be interesting to see how they come together. And Ian, what was your main story? Speaking of those Astros, uh, breaking bad news, Justin Verlander, four days ago, groin surgery. Oh, what a tough break for the Houston Astros. They're trying to you prove hate to it. See it. Hate to yeah, see it. See yeah. it. I mean, what, an, uh, what a perfect organization, losing a great player. But um, look, they're trying to prove this year that they are good without taking the extra step in cheating. And now they are going to be, you know, maybe with a week in Justin Verlander. They were hoping that, uh, physical therapy would uh, be the proper course of action, you know, try to run it out for a year and then maybe get surgery down the line. But they decided, or he decided more, that uh, he had to make this happen. And, you know, Garrett Cole, obviously, Dylan, you got him with the Yankees. You lose him. You lose Verlander. Where's the pitching in Houston? You know, now you can't use those super high-tech, uh, you know, banging on the trash can moves to make those pitchers good because now all your pitchers are gone. So uh, maybe this delay and to see his recovery a little bit, but that's a tough break for Houston. And we'll see when the season ever starts. I mean, some pitchers, like you're going to talk about Chris Sale very soon, Cortland, are choosing to have surgery because, honestly, we don't know if this season is even going to happen. I mean, mm. with this virus, everyone doesn't know. They say June, they say July, but when you're in July, you only have three months of the regular season. Let's say you get 70 games. Is that even like a season? Are they going to do that? Do they just defer to 2021? Cortland, you want to talk about Chris Sale and his new injury. Yeah, so Chris Sale, it's been breaking news. Uh, he's going to Tommy John. According to Red Sox sources, this was planned to happen at this time anyways, uh, just because it gives him the max amount of time to get back for the 2021 20, season. Um, he's a 30-year lace. He's entering the second year of his five-year contract worth $145 million. He was the Red Sox ace. Last year, he wasn't as dominant as he was. Uh, it, there was reports saying he wasn't feeling good at going all the way back to the World Series run back in 2018, where uh, they defeated the Cheaters, unlike the Yankees, and then went on to defeat the Dodgers. But the, there were talks at the end of that season he wasn't feeling well, thought the offseason was going to treat him well. Then he felt a little bit better. Chris Sale paid through some pain accordingly. We saw him out for a couple weeks during last year's season. Uh, he, but he uh, got shut down in August, I believe. He went 6-11 with a 4.0 or 4.4 in 25 games, I believe he are in 25 games, which, I mean, 4-4, I mean, that's a mid-level pitcher, maybe a little lower in the MLB, but Chris Not Sale, up to Chris you, Sale's standards. Yeah, not up to his standards. He's down there with Clayton Kershaw, Garrett Cole, all those guys are below, close to one ERA. Uh, but I think it's a good move having it now. It'll give him a year to get ready and get healthy again. Yeah, and I mean, I thought it was a great decision. Ian, you go. Well, you know, again, another team that had awesome pitching, and all of a sudden they have no pitching. You know, Mookie Betts is gone. They were forced to trade him. David Price is gone. They they had to get rid of him. And well, David now, Price wasn't good anyways. Let's well, still, you know, even if he's not as good as the guys who they traded, like Betts or how good Sale is when he's healthy, he's a guy who can go in there and he can give you a little bit of something. And now they really don't have a lot. So, you know, if I'm the Red Sox, I'm banking on this season getting, you know, postponed or, you know, a year down the line, as you mentioned, Cortland. <laughs> they need him in the lineup, and uh, it's not looking too good right now. Well, David Price isn't good. He wasn't worth, uh, what was it, $225 million we were paying $31 uh, million now, well, now, you give, yeah. uh, now you give sale an extension, and, you know, just uh, well, a that's year definitely, into it. Well, that's definitely worth it. We also have uh, Nathan Evaldi. He was very good until he got hurt last year. And uh, a lot of we also, starting pitching for sure. Yeah, but they have some starting pitchers. I mean, it won't be as good uh, as last year team. without Sale, but it will, it will be decent. I mean, the Red Sox weren't really expected to contend anyway. I mean, they got rid of Betts after their owner really cheaped out, and he says he can't pay him, even though he's well, top he, two, top three players. He was worth the money. Absolutely. Three years after I mean, a luxury tax, would want to pay Mookie Betts. I mean, he's up there with Trout, Yelich, Bellinger. And now he's with Bellinger in L.A. I mean, Red Sox, they cheaped out. And now they just have a bad look. Fans are mad. J.D. Martinez can leave next year. It's a tough look for Red Sox fans for sure. And they'll be competing with the Toronto Blue Jays for third place. Then, nah. anyway. uh, well, <laughs> we'll save your opinion for later in the season, if we even have a season anyway. We will. 
Let's move on to the uh, first place defending AL East champion, New York Yankees. Aaron Judge went down with another one of his injuries. It seems like there's a new one every week. Now there's officially three injuries reported. I have this written down, guys, so take notes while I read these. He has a fractured rib. Fractured rib that's healing from last September. So he played through playoffs with a fractured rib. This week, he says he has a collapsed lung. And then he also had a shoulder stress fracture. So we're going lung, shoulder, everywhere is is wrong on Judge. Stanton has a calf injury. Aaron Judge, hopefully he's back for whenever the season does start. Ian, thank you for this diagram. There we go. You know, long, you great great illustration. illustration. I've taken the notes. There we it's go. great for our visual, our visual learners like I am. <laughs> you know, hopefully Judge is back soon. You know, he's a top 10 player in baseball, honestly. He's such a great arm. He's really the face of baseball of Trout. You know, he's not really that marketable. Everyone thinks of Aaron Judge when they think of baseball, and it just mm-hmm. it sucks to see that he has all these injuries over the past two, three years. Uh, Dylan, one question. Do you know what shoulder it is? Is it his throwing shoulder? It is not his throwing shoulder. It's okay, his left so shoulder. So it impacts his hitting there. more than it does the throw. Of a diagram. Yeah. Is I would be a little more concerned yeah. if it was his throwing shoulder. It's almost like because you know firing the ball in from the warning track because he can't track the ball down well in the outfield. There will be a concern if he had his throwing shoulder. But since it's his hitting, uh, you know, maybe that will take a hit. Shoulder. And they also say that yes, it all started I mean, with that dive. Sorry to cut you off there, Dylan. They also say it started with that dive at Fenway a couple of years back. That uh, that great catch he got in the regular season. They say it all stemmed from that, and all of a sudden, you know, a month before the season, before the season was supposed to start, that is, which would have been in five days. That now they're suddenly showing, find out of all these, all these injuries, and obviously this Yankee team, which was banged up the last year, is already luckily, luckily the season isn't starting. But they would have obviously having I would have had to take a step back with uh, these injuries. You know, another pitcher that went down is Luis Severino. He took the route of Tommy John as well. Him as Chris Sale. I mean, Chris Sale and Luis Severino, top pitchers in this game. I mean, yep. top 10, if not top 15, Severino can get up there to 100. Chris Sale used to before he had his shoulder injuries. Then he was sitting at, what, 93, 94 last year. I mean, it sucks that these pitchers, now that they're having these injuries, but hopefully this season happens. But if it doesn't, I mean, they'll be ready for next season, hopefully ready to around May or June. Great, great show, guys. I mean, we, we put it together even though we're not in the same studio. It was a fun time, eh? Yes, it is. Indeed. And this one thing I want to mention sure, before we move off, before we move off of MLB, I want to mention there's a lot of Tommy John surgeries. We see the Padres have two of their pitchers coming down. So a lot kind of giving into injuries. And as the season's getting delayed, they're kind of taking advantage of that and fixing their injuries. For sure, this has been Beyond the Whistle, Episode 5. I'm Dylan Pescatore. I've been with Austin Flighty and Nicholas and Corlin Parent. Thanks, guys. And that's it. Thank you for watching.